Is that how you touch the water? Actually, I'll, I'll do the DM warm up. Hobgoblin, dragon born. Hobgoblin, goblin, dwarf, innkeeper, snooty aristocrat. <laughs> Bring me the naked children. I'm going to cut them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all warmed up to my vocal vocal gymnastics. Vocal gymnastics. Vocal gymnastics. I gotta uh, I gotta get comfortable though. I notice a lot of times when I'm being recorded that my voice doesn't sound like I actually sound when I'm having a conversation. Like when you listen to it back. Yeah, yeah, it's happened before. Like I worked with Sean, and uh, he had me appear on uh, Edgar's uh, secret podcast, and I was listening to. It. I was like, "What? What am I doing?" It's like this weird hokey, <laughs> like, "Oh, this is Corey Magic." Like, <laughs> this this weird disc jockey thing going on. It sounded t- terrible, but then it's one of those things where you listen to it, and you're thinking, "Is that what I really sound like?" And, and it is. So maybe that was more the case. Maybe it was just my natural voice. And I do sound like a total ass. Just an everyday conversation. And I guess part of, the, part of the reason that that is. Is because your voice has a lot more resonance inside of your skull. So you're actually getting reverb from, uh, from your skull. And your voice sounds a lot cooler to you than it actually does to anybody else in real life. Which explains a lot of people, I think. So does that mean? So when you're when you listen back to yourself, then mm-hmm. is is the is it the is it that the the reverb that you're getting inside of your skull is yeah. reacting differently to how you're hearing yourself, like through speakers? Yeah, yeah. You're not getting skull reverb <laughs> when you're hearing it on speakers, All but right. when you're saying it uh, out, out loud, what you hear is really cool. I uh, have you ever watched um did you ever see the movie wayne's world mm-hmm. okay wait wayne's world 2 yes i did it's been years okay so do you remember the part where they decide to go to the handsome dan show to promote wayne stock oh man it's been so long but they go there and like handsome dan sounds like just this you brought up disc jockey and it just made yeah, me yeah. think about this because yeah. it's just like you know, coming in on the hour is <laughs> going to be, you know, this track from this artist from yeah, yeah, 1979, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And they got like a guy who like, you know, like yells in the back or uh-huh. whatever for something. Uh-huh. But they're so excited to meet Handsome Dan. And he comes <laughs> out and he's like this 5'4", <laughs> like greasy yeah. Jewish guy with sure. a Jufro sure. that has a, uh, a track suit on. Yeah. And they just standing in front of him just are like, Hey, like you know, their 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 appearance, their thought of him, and his head right, was not right. Right. So when Dorian and I first started recording the podcast, that's when I would listen back to myself, uh-huh. and I would be editing it. That's how I felt. Like I wonder if people will have this idea of what I look like in their head. Yeah. And then yeah, that's when the they see me, they're like, oh yeah, this doesn't really yeah does not does not match up with what's going on up there. I, I had that happen a lot at the uh, the strip club that I used to work at. And I, I was wondering if that was part of the reason why my voice, when I heard it on that podcast, was was weird. Because mm-hmm. I would use a voice. And it, it's just a method of trying to preserve your vocal cords over a long enough time. Yeah. So it'd be like, next on the stage <laughs> is Sparkle. <laughs> Gentlemen, get your... Uh, blah, blah. It, it was just natural after a while you do it. And that would happen to me a bunch of times. Like I would come out of the DJ booth. Yeah. And I remember very clearly this very drunk man saying... Woody, you got some sort of like weird effects on your voice? <laughs> like, you, that's not it. And then I remember one of the bartenders, uh, her name was Courtney. She was a very attractive girl. And she, on my first day, uh, I, I get out, uh, my first day working with Courtney. And then Courtney is at the bar and she's like, oh man, I heard your voice and it was just so big and sexy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then she finishes with, and then you stepped out of the booth and you did, <laughs> it just didn't match up. So I, I yeah, I, I have the same. And it was incredibly limp and unimpressive. Right. Just sort of, <laughs> sort of flaccid. I don't know. 
I, I always said I got a body built for radio. All right. Well, there you go. All right. You ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. Uh, welcome every welcome back everybody to uh, this bonus episode of the couch. Mm. If you heard the last week's episode, I did mention that uh, Dorian is going to be uh, out for three weeks because he's shooting some music videos, doing some editing, doing some traveling. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have some guest hosts. And my first guest host this week is introduce yourself. My name is Corey Dungeons. Uh, it's a big honor to be on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me to the couch, Bobby. Thanks for coming, uh, Corey. Corey, uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what cool. you're into. Yeah. Uh, I'm really into Dungeons and Dragons, specifically 5th edition, and I'm a professional dungeon master. Uh, I work with some great people, and the service is aimed at allowing people that have never played the game before to experience Dungeons and Dragons for everything that it can actually be in the comfort of your own home. That The tagline is, I bring the game to you. Nice. Yeah, enough of the, the sales, CoreyDungeon.com. Uh, you can go there. Also, I'm on Instagram. And yeah, that's about it. Also, uh, I love hanging out, having fun. You know me, man. I know you. Just chilling, relaxing. But I want to make sure the all 40 of our listeners... Get a nice round yeah, look at who Corey totally. Dungeons is. <laughs> and I, I'm looking forward to hearing what all 40 of them have to say, because I'm sure that I know them on a first-hand basis. Probably. Super. Probably. Love it. All right. So the trailer that we're going to talk about today is the trailer for Annabelle Comes Home. Yes. All right. So before we get into this, what kind of movies are you into, Corey? Uh, I am into all kinds of movies. Uh, I don't really have a particular genre that I go for specifically. Mm-hmm. I am uh, very, very critical of popular culture overall. Okay. Uh, for the most part, I I am incensed and irritated by most popular movies. All right. I don't really go to see a lot of movies in general. Mm-hmm. But if I had to throw out some that I really love that I've seen recently, there was Mandy. Uh, yes, that is probably the most recent movie that has come out that I that I loved. Yeah, where I walked out of the theater and I was really happy that I had I had gone to the theater and seen it. Mm-hmm. So Mandy is uh, way up there. Um, we we saw John Wick recently. John, John Wick, Wick three. three. Yeah, it, it was just like I wanted to leave halfway through. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm a tough sell. I just know what I like. Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with that. I do like horror. I do like schlock. Uh, I am a big fan of camp and trash. Okay. Uh, but I also like quality, too. I, I think that I can appreciate uh, any any cinema. Uh, like Troll 2. Smash oh, okay. Trash. All right. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I was... See, I, I had the benefit of seeing some of those movies when I was younger, and they were relatively new. I remember seeing Sleepaway Camp on HBO. Oh, shit. At Eddie Smithy's house. Eddie Smithy's house. When, you know Eddie Smith. (laughs) He was a childhood friend of mine. I must have been. You know that guy. Yeah, I must have been uh, nine or ten. I'm going to take a stab at that. I feel like we all, like everybody has, you know, an Eddie Smithy as a friend. Yeah. Whose basement we went to to see a particular movie. And that movie scared the hell out of me. I'll never forget, you know, the face at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that is uh, Rose. a big one, a big one. How do you feel about dolls, Corey? Uh, they're cool. Dolls are a pretty big, uh, like spooky dolls. Spooky dolls, because that's what Annabelle Annabelle comes home is all about. Yes, it's about a spooky haunted doll. Not only the doll, though. Yeah, that's true. Right. Which is pretty cool. So initially, when you told me what we were going to be looking at for a trailer, uh-huh. uh, Annabelle and we're I'm looking at, you know, the poster right now and it shows Annabelle. She's super spooky. And this isn't her first movie either. It's not. This is the third movie. Right. So Annabelle is kind of like this, the spooky doll. And this is a trope that's as old as, well, spooky dolls, really. Yeah. Like the the idea behind there being a, a creepy ass doll and there's something wrong with it and kind of weird. Did it move? Right. Uh, or even like uh, I would even go so far as to say like ventriloquist dummies. 
I was just thinking of this pinball machine, and I can't remember the name of it now, but it centers around a ventriloquist dummy, and you have to shoot the pinball into the ventriloquist dummy's mouth. Okay. And it has a supernatural theme to it. So there's like a clock, and it gets ah, to midnight, right. and the so the that nebulous idea of spooky dolls is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Like we're not treading new ground here, making a spooky doll. So, um, but yeah, uh, Annabelle comes home is the uh, part of the Conjuring universe, as it says in one of the title cards. Have you ever seen any of the Conjuring movies? I have not. I'm aware of it as a phenomenon. Yeah, but I have yet to to see any of them. I think when that movie, the uh, there was this movie that came out uh, this year, or maybe at the end of last year, called The Nun, um, that I watched Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2. Actually, this past like Halloween, this the last, you know, last October, okay. I, I watched it, and I was very, very, very impressed with both of those movies. Um, as like horror movies, as like ghost stories, and there are... Those movies are based off uh, um, the Warrens, who are these actual living, um, not ghost hunters, but, you know, they were, you know... Paranormal investigators. Exactly. And so they famously have this... There actually is an Annabelle doll in existence in real life. Um, And it's more like a Raggedy Ann doll. Okay. So it doesn't look like the doll in the... In the movie. Also, who would make a doll that looks like this <laughs> for whatever purposes, even if you had constructed this thing as as a containment unit for a demon or so it's just gross. I mean, it does look like a containment unit for a demon. Right, but you could make it On look purpose. less <laughs> so is that part of the thing? It's kind of like don't play with this doll kid. It's super spooky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about literally writing that on the doll? Don't play with this doll. Don't play with this doll. There's a demon inside of it. Don't touch it. Well, I read, I looked up, because I've never seen any of the Annabelle movies. Okay. Right? So I looked up on IMDb, like, the plots to number one and number two. Yeah, yeah. Because the actual doll itself, I believe, is in the first Conjuring movie, just mm-hmm. as a prop. Because you walk into, you know, in the trailer, when they walk into that room that has all of their, you know, all of their stuff, all their trinkets. Like, we walk into that room in the Conjuring one. And we see that doll and we get a little history about it. But that's it because there is an actual plot to The Conjuring one, you know, with... So Annabelle is a spinoff of The Conjuring? Yes. Like this prop was so spooky that they decided to make an entire franchise out of that prop alone. And like The Conjuring movies, like Conjuring 1 and 2, uh, like pretty much anything that is said to be in The Conjuring universe Mm -hmm. has been spinned off from those two movies wow so like the character of the nun which mm-hmm. is exactly what it sounds like it's just this like demonic looking nun okay uh starts to appear in the conjuring 2 okay um because the um uh elaine warren uh she starts having visions of her husband being murdered by by this nun okay right but in Conjuring 2, they go to England to, like, investigate this paranormal, this force that's, like, terrorizing this family. You know? Okay. So, but, uh, but yeah, so all the movies have been made, all the movies have done, like, very well, you know, financially. I mean, they're made for very cheap, you know what I mean? And so they, they make their money back and everything. But Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2, the camera work in it is really great. You know who directed both of those is uh, Aquaman's James Wan. Is that right? That is right. James Wan. Is he as overwhelming in that as he is an Aquaman? Well, James Wan, I believe he directed the first Saw movie. I like the first Saw movie. So James Wan's like roots are in like horror. Yeah, I remember you told me that before we watched uh, Aquaman. Aquaman, yeah. Which explains all the, the wall bombs. Yes, all the, all the jump scares, right? <laughs> I love those wall bombs. Yeah. It's so good. Um, so, uh, so anyways, he has like a writing credit on this movie. Um, I heard that the first Annabelle movie wasn't that good. Like, wasn't it was just like, okay. I heard the second Annabelle movie, which is called Annabelle Creation, which I, we get to see the creation of the doll. And that's a little girl getting hit by a car, right? Yeah, I think it's a little girl who dies, and then the family makes this doll right. that gets possessed. And they're like, oh, Mr. Demon person, can you have our, our child back? The demon's like, well, if you all are stupid enough, then yeah, <laughs> totally. You dumbasses. Yeah. What, what did they think was going to happen? Um, 
And then this movie has, uh, what do you call it? Well, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, who play the the Warrens. Mm-hmm. It looks like, you know, the, the doll is now terrorizing. This looks like also kind of a prequel where, like, they first find Annabelle and then they, you know, bring her home. I saw that in the trailer. Right. Where they're, and they, you get some jokes at the beginning where the, the cop goes, nice doll. And then the guy says... Well, you think so? And then we get a little <laughs> rim shot, and then they put it into the into right. the case, and that that I'd imagine is the very beginning of the movie, which yeah. is cool because then then we're doing some fast forward storytelling. I feel like with this movie, Annabelle comes home. You don't need to have seen the previous movies or be immersed in the universe. No. I think it would work as a standalone. I think you should, you could just sit down and watch this movie and you'd still be up to speed. Oh yeah. I think so too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, if they're going to try and do what I hope that they're going to do just from the trailer alone, mm-hmm. it's not just about Annabelle, which if you were going to tell me that there was a doll movie, that was an hour and 46 minutes. That's crazy talk. And I am, <laughs> I'm not going to be interested in that, but what it seems like, and they established this in the trailer, they say that she is a beacon for spirits. And they also have that room that is full, just full of ghosts. So what I'm hoping that they do is that each of these ghosts gets a little chapter. We get mm. a little backstory on them, uh, and and they're going to spook in their own cool, spooky way. Right. We got a couple of shots. Uh, we get the samurai outfit. With the, mm. We get the guy with the, the coins on his uh, face. The ferryman. Right. There's, there's a lot of different ghosts that they can throw in here. What I'm worried about is that we only have, perceivably, three potential victims. And of those three potential victims, I only think that one of them is actually going to die. And that's going to be the dark-haired bully girl that sets the whole thing off at the very beginning. Okay. The blonde-haired babysitter and the daughter, obviously, I think that they're going to make it. They're going to live? Right. What, What I think would work out better, and, you know, I'm a professional dungeon master, so I know everything about making movies, right? What I'd like to see <laughs> is a lot of different ghosts killing a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, oh. like a like a puppet master sort of thing. Oh, okay. Because this seems to be what it's like, where you have themed monsters doing yeah. spooky things with their themes, but there's not enough meat to go around. Right. We're going to get a lot of scares, but we're not going to get a lot of uh, of of mutilation mm-hmm. and and brutality. So I I don't. I think that the time is justified by the number of spooks that we're going to see in this movie. Yeah. But I don't think we have a high enough victim count to justify their screen time. Gotcha. That's, so would, that's my guess. So for like an almost two hour movie, are you hoping that w- there'd be more? Yes. Yeah. I want to see a lot of different spooks chopping up people in a lot of cool ways. Um, because we're getting these spooks and what they can do and how they can scare us is one thing. Right. But how do they kill victims? That's yeah. the fun thing. Right. Is uh, Jason kills people with axes and mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger kills people with claws and all kinds of different uh, uh, dream right. ways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I watch horror movies that have these character types. The monsters and how they dispose of humans is is interesting like yeah. there's creativity there and it's kind of fun yeah no for sure and this i think it's just going to be a lot of different spooks spooking people and if you're from what you said about the conjuring mm-hmm. if it's just about jump scares then we're going to get like seven or eight different kinds of jump scares <laughs> like they're all yeah yeah they're all going to jump scare us in a different way right which i don't know if that's going to be as entertaining as watching somebody get chopped up I feel like the um, I feel like the ferryman is going to play a pretty big part. It, that seems to be the other like ghost that gets a bit of prominence in the trailer because there's that one part in the trailer where like there's a there's a coin that falls on the ground and she goes to pick it up and then it's just like you know there's also that really I kind of dig the ferryman. The ferryman gives me like this like fog vibe like John Carpenter's The Fog. Sure, you know just because of like you know being out to sea and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like the ferryman is the one that gets another spin-off movie. Oh really? I don't know. I just I feel like each of these movies has like a sub ghost or a sub 
you know, creature character mm-hmm. that could be spin, you know, spun off into their own movie. Yeah. So the the kind of joy of, you know, even if I decided to go back and watch Annabelle one and two would be to see like where the other what are the other spirits, right? Yeah. So the one movie that came out a couple months ago that the curse of La Llorona that came out mm-hmm. looked terrible. I heard it wasn't that good, but it it's like they're calling it another chapter in the conjuring universe. Really? Because there's a priest character that's in the first Annabelle movie that shows up in this one. And like that's their only tether, which is pretty thin. It's not it's not too much of a big one. Is it actually the same character written or just happens to be the same actor? It's both. Okay. It's the same character written and the same actor. So it was intentional. It was It was intentional. Right. Yeah, it wasn't accidental. Okay. Um but I mean for it to still be like connected to the Conjuring universe, it really 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 isn't. The nun character that like shows up in the Conjuring 2 and then when she gets spun off into her own movie, that movie takes place in like 1873 Spain, you know? And so we're actually watching like the origins of it or something like that. And it's about this soon to become uh, this, uh, this girl who's about to become a nun mm-hmm. and a paranormal investigator. Who's a priest that go to this convent that nobody has heard from in a while. And they go to investigate it and all this like spooky shit starts to happen. Oh, cool. So it's, it's isolated and they're going, it's there a little bit more Gothic than cool. the rest of them are, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't too bad, but, um, uh anyways overall like what did you think about the trailer to annabelle comes home i know you said you're you know you kind of turn your nose to the mainstream kind of and this is sort of like the ultimate mainstream horror but what did you think did you like the trailer to the movie i don't know if i'd go to the theaters to see it all right why wouldn't you go to the theater to see it it just looks like it's just gonna be a jump scary sort of thing Mm -hmm. i don't know i like i said my i really dig um like slower psychological horror and this is just going to be a lot of stuff jumping out at me which makes me feel physically uncomfortable if i want to feel physically uncomfortable i'm gonna do squats or, or something like that <laughs> i'm gonna get something out you're of gonna it. go to the gym i'm gonna go to the gym <laughs> and this is this is paying money to feel uncomfortable that'd be an interesting uh spinoff into the conjuring universe the cory dungeons goes to the gym yeah that would be <laughs> that'd be really scary that'd be really yeah oh man <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure if I'd be interested in seeing it. I'm definitely going to read about it on Wikipedia so that I can know I, what's up. Yeah, yeah know yeah. the lore. Uh, what I am interested in is that samurai armor. The sam where the samurai armor comes from. Yeah, like what that's about because the idea of of Japanese ghosts and oni and that sort of stuff I think is super fun. What's oni? Uh, oni is a Japanese demon. Ooh. Uh, and they uh, eat flesh and um, just spirits and Shintoism and all that sort of stuff. I really dig. Okay. Uh, and most of that comes from my experience with video games growing up. Uh, Darkstalkers was mm-hmm. a fighting game series by Capcom. Okay. And they had a samurai ghost guy there. Ooh. Uh, he's really cool. Anything with blue flames, cannibalism. Uh, there was also this really fun game series that came out uh, quite a few years ago, and they remade it uh, uh, recently, recently as in a decade. Okay. But it was called Fatal Frame, and it had a lot of Japanese uh, Shinto ghosts. Uh, The premise was really, really fun because it was a first-person shooter, but you used a camera, and you captured ghosts with this camera. And the thing was, you would you would know where the ghost was, kind of. Okay. And then you would have your camera, and then you would take a snapshot, and then you would see the ghost. Uh. So you would wait for the perfect shot, and then when you take the picture, the ghost is right in front of you. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was really neat. Uh, but they had a lot of uh, uh So that's all like the, the point of the game was, was just to take a picture? Taking pictures of ghosts to capture these ghosts, yeah. and you are uh, you are investigating a an abandoned monastery, oh. where apparently these ancient rites happen. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's that's why I'm psyched about seeing the samurai armor. I know it's not going to happen, right? Right. But right. I would like to see a spinoff of that. That'd be pretty cool. I I, I would like to see some uh, Japanese supernatural stuff. Yeah, that would be super neat. I would say that like seeing the Japanese supernatural stuff would be really cool, but I wish they would like 
there's a um I'm not big into like anime or like uh manga or anything like that, but uh recently the um I watch a lot of the the DC animated, the straight to video DC animated movies that come out. And DC recently did one called uh Batman Ninja. Okay. And what they did is the first half of the story takes place in like the present day, but something happens where Batman and all of his rogues gallery get transported to like feudal Japan. Oh, that's fun. Right. But what the animators did, what the company did is that they didn't, they didn't say like, Hey, Bobby, Corey, you know, Dorian and Jeremy are American animators make a Japanese manga. They said, you guys are not making it. We're actually going to give it to a company in Japan that does it. And we want them to do it and do it how they would do a manga. So the, the, the rest of the movie, it was bonkers to watch. I'll have to show you the cover to this thing because it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if I really liked it, but it was just <laughs> so fucking different that I was like, I cannot not get rid of this. This is just like an interesting conversation piece at, you know, at best. But like they gave Batman and all of the IP to these Japanese animators and they just said, go to town. That's such a cool idea. And they made an anime like out of out of Batman. That's such a cool idea. And it was so crazy and cool. I kind of wish that the Conjuring series and the the company that I think I believe it's Warner Brothers that does this, does these movies. Mm-hmm. I wish they would take that approach to like if they actually did that with the samurai stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like they would give the need... IP to somebody that does this sort of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. And knows, you know, like the history and the way, you know, maybe even old, you know, Japanese horror movies were were done or mm-hmm. shot or any of that kind of thing because my one big beef with that, I never saw the La Llorona movie, but the Llorona movie is, that's like a, a Mexican, like, like horror legend. Okay. And I think, I think I tell this story like maybe once or maybe like every couple episodes on the couch, but you're somebody new, so I'm going to tell it again. Sounds good. Um, but it's all about this uh, wife who discovers that her husband has been cheating on her and in a fit of anger and sadness and rage drowns their three children in the river behind their home and is immediately regretful of it and she kills herself. And so there's this town in Mexico that uh, would say that, you know, they would hear a woman crying in the streets, but they would look out and there wouldn't be anybody there. Ooh, that's good. Right? So it's a really good story, right? So the Conjuring universe turned this legend, horror, you know, this scary story, this ghost story, into like a jump scare movie. Uh, once we're done recording, I'll show you the trailer to it because I did not like the trailer. But one of the things that I wish they would have done is a lot of us who, you know, were younger, how we heard this story was like, you know, at um, like sleepovers, you know, with like cousins cool. or friends. You know cool, what I mean? Cool, cool. Yeah. So um, you've seen the you've seen the fog, the John Carpenter movie. It's been a long time. Okay. The beginning of that movie is a, a campfire where an old sailor is telling the story, telling the legend of the crew, right? And the legend of when they might come back and that there would be a fog and all this kind of stuff, right? I really wish that the beginning of the La Llorona movie or its trailer started off like that, a sleepover where, you know, your old you know, Mexican grandmother or your aunt is telling you the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and she's telling you the story about La Llorona and it's, you know, told like that. So how, how did they introduce the lore then? I read it on Wikipedia. It's like the only movie I've ever so looked up on Wikipedia. So the movie the- doesn't introduce the lore. It just throws you in and then that's the story. No, it does. Oh, it does introduce you. It, it does give you the lore, but it does it in a different way. Oh, and then the movie itself is actually, I think like the opening of the movie takes place in like 1870 something. Okay. And then the, the present day movie takes place in like the eighties, like okay. the sixties or the eighties okay. or something like that. But, um, but yeah, so that's my that would be my only criticism with that. If they like, I wouldn't want to see an American like Japanese horror movie as a part of the Conjuring universe. Yeah. Like, take some strides now. Like, you've done jump scares to death. Like, I don't know. I let's you know like let's watch you know the uh, 
the Japanese like grudge series and like let's kind of go that weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. What is it? Is it Jew own or something like that? That's I'll that take series? your word for it. <laughs> but um, that's what I would kind of hope that they would do with with that if they did any more spinoffs of ghost stories from different cultures mm-hmm. that are not specifically American. Yeah. Because I think that would be really neat. Yeah, I agree. Um. But the uh, in the second trailer, I found it kind of interesting that they um, gave you a little bit more of what the plot is. Right, because I watched the first trailer and it didn't have anywhere the background of, of what you showed me. Because that actually shows the ferryman. Right. That shows a lot more stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's overall more comprehensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I find it interesting that she's look- Annabelle's looking for a soul. Yeah, because they mentioned that. They mentioned that she's looking for a soul, like yeah, almost yeah, yeah. right at the tail end, and then we go to that scene where she's in the bed and she starts getting pulled off. What's with that bed thing? You got the Annabelle doll just looking at you in the bed. I don't think the I don't think the doll was there from the beginning. Though. She she lifted up the blanket and is like, "Oh, there's the creepy doll," and it's there, and then puts the blanket back <laughs> down, and then opens it again and goes, "Oh, there's the creepy doll again. This is still fine." <laughs> Was she sleeping with it or like she opened up the blanket and saw it there and didn't start screaming and kick it? I don't think she was sleeping with it. I think like I think when she got like pulled Mm -hmm. like and she looked up and saw the doll like it it just like not that it appeared, but I'm going to it was just there. I didn't kick that thing in the face. Yeah, right. Or at least off or like said something. Like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Get out it's of here. It's like, oh crap. What's wrong with you? I thought it <laughs> not my soul. Right. I thought I was under the blanket and oh shit, I got spotted. I gotta go. I wonder, you know what? This is really interesting that you bring that up. I wonder what part of because clearly this movie is a um what do you call it? a baby a babysitter movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a babysitter movie. For sure. All right. Um, so you know, the Warrens, the family is going out. Someone's coming over to babysit. Yeah. The babysitter's best friend comes over. The girl you think is going to die first. Oh, she's totally dead. Because she's she touched everything. So she and she's, she's mean, too. She is. She's mean at the beginning. She was told she's like not to go in there. Aren't your parents total freaks? And you're yeah. a weird freak jerk, too. <laughs> you better show me all that weird stuff. Freak girl. We're not going to be best friends. She's like, oh, I guess exactly. I'll do, it. do you think she lets her in there because she gets bullied? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to. Uh, she wants friends, I'm friends. sure. And she's probably like the popular girl or she's also significantly taller. So maybe she physically intimidates her. I could see that. Into letting her in. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's a babysitter movie. And I wonder what part of. I wonder where that scene places within the narrative, because a majority of the trailer is <laughs> the nightmare yeah, of yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? So if this yeah. is just like. If that's the beginning where it starts out, like how long is this? How no, long is the sitter babysitting? Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, because if I were to see that right. right when I'm going to bed, right, I'm getting the fuck out of the house. Maybe it is a dream. Maybe, Maybe it is a dream be- after it's released, because obviously it's contained within the glass case mm-hmm. until brunette bully goes and messes everything up and starts this comedy of errors that right. results in Annabelle summoning every ghost and spook. In, in a five mile radius to descend upon this home mm-hmm. and terrorize the babysitter and the daughter. Do you think that, uh, cause they make it a point about when she's like, what did you, what else did you touch? And yeah. she's like, I touched everything. everything. Like, I wonder like, are all those ghosts now attached to this girl? Oh, are they attached to the girl? Like the bully because she touched everything. Cause I figure like that's, I would imagine that's the thing with ghosts is that they need to have some sort of like host I, th- I think she just woke him up. She just woke him up. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then they're going to be stuck in the house because of some crazy magic. Or or maybe they do follow her. Maybe they do. Because there is that scene they showed for a split second where brunette bully has a crucifix on her face. And she's like yelling. And there's all this weird colors and lights. I didn't see that scene. It must have been like really quick. Yeah. It's a, it's just a split second. It's It's towards the end when they're. Yeah. culminating to the climax and they just start randomly throwing images at you from the movie without context in right, order right, to right. overstimulate you. Uh, but I, I wonder if she gets exercised at some point. Also, if the parents come back, 
I wonder if they do come back and maybe <laughs> wouldn't this be dumb? <laughs> so they come back and the daughter is like, we can't tell my parents. We got to solve this on our own. <laughs> and then it's like this wacky hijinks of like dead bodies showing up. So it turned into Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And the daughter has to like hide it in the closet. And the mom's like, what was that? And she's like, nothing. And then the mom leaves and she's like, whew, we got to, we got to get, yeah, we got to get rid of this body fast. My mom and dad find out that we released all the demons. I'll be grounded for a week. <laughs> and it's just like tonal shift. You that'd know. be kind of cool. <laughs> be, I'll tell terrible. you what, they've never done anything like that before. So yeah, they would definitely throw people for a loop if this was that movie. Okay. Annabelle comes home. You got one shot. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you mess this up, <laughs> franchise is done. But if you can turn this into a wholesome, wacky hijinks with supernatural tones, uh, I will be impressed. All right. And I will, I will, uh, I'll buy an Annabelle doll. Bet. Dolls are hot right now, man. Are they? Yeah. Are like 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 people are. Uh, you got uh, Chucky. You got the new uh, Child's oh, Play. Yeah, coming that's out. right. That's coming. That come out. That came out today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got some new Annabelle stuff. Uh, Toy Story is oh, all dolls. That's true. That is all dolls. That's dolls true. all the way down. Uh, and and I don't know why that is. I'm not sure why inanimate objects are a thing in popular culture that uh, we're, we're sort of gravitating towards at least media makers who knows i wonder if annabelle ends up being the hero by the end of this movie oh so the that would be interesting like, if, like she, all the spirits get released she, and she's the only one that can stop them oh oh i didn't think about that yeah right wouldn't that be kind of a trip i figured that the parents were going to come home and it was going to be a mad dash of them like i know this isn't going to happen but if they went step by step and I would love this because okay. this would be like a Hellboy comics sort of situation where oh. they have to shut down each of the ghosts using its weakness. Oh, like the, the samurai, you have to use uh, uh, a, a silver uh, katana, mm -hmm. and the uh, the um, the one guy with the the who's the seaman guy. Oh, the ferryman? Yeah, the yeah. ferryman. You have to use this special candle that you put into a miniature lighthouse or like Ooh. some cool supernatural yeah, thing yeah. to shut down each of the ghosts. Kind of like uh, the wizard showing up at the end of Fantasia where Mickey Mouse fucks everything up yeah. and just fixes it. Yeah, yeah. That won't happen, but that's the sort of interaction I want with the ghosts. I want their personalities. Mm, all right. Because it's not just about their strengths and the kills. And this goes back to me wanting to see how they kill. Yeah. But also one of my favorite aspects of supernatural uh, uh, creatures and ghost stories and fairy tales mm -hmm. and uh, incidentally Dungeons and Dragons monsters. Okay is that they have cool weaknesses that are based in some sort of folklore. It's, How it's much of it is cool versus like clever though? Like I like that. First of all, I'm going to say that I think Warner Brothers should hire you and me to write the Ferryman spinoff because I like this idea. <laughs> I like this idea of just lighting a having, I, you know what I got as soon as you described that, yeah, I yeah. thought of somebody lighting a candle mm -hmm. in like a miniature lighthouse. Yeah. But then, you know, of course kids always fuck something up. Yeah. Something happened where one of the kids just blows it out. Yes. And then we just start hearing in the distance like wind and yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ding, yeah. Ding. And yeah. then it just all fucking pops off. And that could be a fun mechanic if he drifts towards the closest light source. You mm. know, some fun stuff. It would be pretty cool. That would be cool. But the kids don't exactly know it and they'll discover it. Yeah. Uh, putting game mechanics into movies is <laughs> it's just a matter of setting up a universe that makes sense. Yeah. And if you have rules in a movie and you're following them, I think it's always more satisfying. Mm -hmm. It's when those rules get broken that I, I sort of like flip out and I'm like, no, you can't do that in a story. Right. Right. Like a story as well as a game, you have to have rules. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the, the fairy tales and having weaknesses and stuff like that, not just cleverness, but coolness like yeah. something that makes sense in a very spiritual and an innate and primal way okay so every fairy tale creature that we have and and i'm talking about horror movie stuff too like mm -hmm. werewolves and yeah. silver silver uh vampires and garlic there's something that we innately accept about these symbols mm -hmm. there is something going on very deeply uh, inside of us when we attribute a weakness that is kind of weird. Okay. 
but there's never a time when we go, wait, no, that wouldn't work. Like it would the like an, like would the example be you know like silver for a werewolf and like why does that make sense? Why are we so readily able to accept that? Is it know. because that we've accepted these legends over uh, so many generations, or is there some deeper meaning behind it that we're just resonating with? Mm-hmm. I, I and that's why I like hearing about these fairy tales and these weird monsters yeah. that have weird ways to deal with them. Uh, there's, uh, uh, damn it, I don't remember the name of it. It's this Japanese water spirit. Okay. And uh, it loves eating cucumbers Ooh. and it drowns children. It's green. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called a kappa. A kappa. Yeah, it's a water spirit. It looks a lot like a frog and it has this uh, bowl of water on its head because it always has to be near water. Oh. And the way that you can stop a kappa is if you knock the water off of its head. Just like that? Then it doesn't have any water anymore. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then it has to go back to the river. So yeah. if you're being drowned by a kappa, you knock the, the, the water off the head. head. So it's initially, and this is my assessment, it's just a way to get kids to get away from the water. Like you, you tell a little kid, don't go near the river because the kappa will get you. Oh. This is just how you keep kids from, from doing yeah. like deadly stuff. But then the added aspect of knocking the water off of its head it loves cucumbers this gives it legitimacy mm-hmm. it gives it more flavor because there's more to the story you can accept it as real easy yeah yeah and because you're making up total bullshit that you're telling your kids you are pulling <laughs> things out that make sense to you on a deeply innate level yeah so that you can relate that to your kid. Even though it's a lie, there's still something to it where in your head you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, right. And then the kid is going to be like, yeah, that makes sense because we're all human and there is some aspect of monster weaknesses that are, are, uh, there's something to that. Yeah. And and that's why I like the monsters. That's why I'm hoping that they explore the creatures. A bit more in this. That would be really cool. Yeah. There's this uh, movie that I watched. It was another basement movie with... uh, with my buddies, uh, we watched uh, Dracula 2000. Oh, boy. And uh, that a... soundtrack is... I remember <laughs> that soundtrack. Do you remember? It is trash. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie? I never saw the movie. You my, never saw the movie? My friend had the soundtrack. I okay. remember liking the Finger Eleven song a lot, <laughs> despite myself. Oh, it's such a good song. But there's like Rob Zombie Yo, and God, yeah. Marilyn Marantzarn is on there. Oh, man. Um, garbage and that movie has like johnny lee miller jennifer esposito oh, omar boy. epps like it was omar my guy <laughs> my guy omar um but uh not a not a great movie okay but and my friend ivan who he actually watched it first okay and he got so excited because like he just can't do horror movies he, okay. he can't watch them but he got so excited and he's like bro we got to watch this movie because it's really cool they, they give like dracula like an origin and I was like, okay, cool. Finally. And I was like, all right, sweet. You know? <laughs> Finally, we get an origin story <laughs> to Dracula. Whew. So uh, basically, uh, Dracula in this movie is Judas Iscariot. Oh. The, you know, the apostle that betrayed. Yeah, yeah. Right? And this is how the movie explains away why Dracula does not like religious artifacts. He doesn't like silver because Judas... Uh, betrayed Jesus for twelve pieces of silver, yeah, and yeah. he tried to hang him. He tried to hang himself yeah. near near dusk, sure. and the rope broke, and he you know became a, a this you know living vampire. Okay, and so at the end of the movie, there's this whole religious thing to it where it's actually kind of I actually kind of like the scene where <laughs> Gerard Butler is talking as Dracula is talking to a cross, and he's just like, "You knew this would happen to me." Like that, I would just be cursed forever. Wow! And uh, I thought it was a cool like origin that yeah. you know one yeah. of the apostles is Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just so out there enough for me to be like, all right, you know that's cool, I guess you know. But uh, when you were talking about you know werewolves and silver and all this other kind of stuff, that's my mind immediately went to like that origin and you know how it makes sense and how we connect all of it. So. Um, in that same sense, like I think the the idea of all the all the uh, toys and all the spirits that are in those toys and in the movie Annabelle would be pretty interesting to uh, you know see that they're just not battling the doll. 
you said earlier that you sometimes, if not always, apply you know D and D mechanics to movies or media or, oh, that, yeah. or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is is by watching this trailer? Yeah. Like, are there any sort of specific things that jump out to you? Oh boy, I don't even know where to start, man. I don't even know where to start. Let's let's do maybe some greatest hits. Okay, so and then right we can off, wrap it up. Right off the bat, uh-huh. they have uh, contained this thing in holy glass. Yeah. So that could be one of two things: either they're casting magic circle, okay, which is a a fairly mid range uh, magical spell available to wizards and clerics, I believe. And what it does is it keeps in or keeps out. Uh, fiends celestials fey uh in this area they're they're sort of contained and if they want to teleport out of it they have to make a charisma saving throw okay uh either that or they have used wall of force um there's a lot of different spells in dungeons and dragons that you can use to contain something also the spell sanctuary which uh Clerics have uh, access to it. I think maybe paladins get it. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But there's a lot of ways in Dungeons and Dragons that you can contain an evil. Like okay. this is something that is addressed uh, because in the game they want you to do stuff like this. So that that they want thing, you to contain. Yeah. Thing, okay. They if there's a great evil that you can't quite beat, then uh-huh. you can contain it, like Dracula 2000. Oh, or, okay. Or yeah. uh, what a lot of people do is they use Magic Circle, then they summon something, like uh-huh. a demon. They keep it in there so that they can summon another spell uh, where they can bind the demon or the elemental or oh, whatever right. to their service. Okay. But those spells usually take a long time, uh-huh. so you need that Magic Circle first to... it. It's like classic spooky witchcraft stuff. <laughs> Make the circle, the demon appears, is like, what do you want? But as soon as somebody knocks over the sand yeah. or breaks the uh, the sacred glass, yeah. then it gets out. Gotcha. So okay. that, that 100% is there. Uh, ghosts in Dungeons and Dragons can possess you. Uh, it's, okay. it's something that they can do, and then they take over your body, and they use your statistics, and your character is just sort of there watching it. Um, are there any like in in D and D? Are there any characters that are because the little girl in the trailer? She says like I can kind of see things like my mom. Yeah. So clearly she's like a medium mm-hmm. of some kind who can who can see spirits and sure. she's the door's a little bit more open for her. Let's say than you know normal people, yeah. quote unquote. So um, are there characters like that? There are spells and abilities that allow you to see in the ethereal plane. Okay. And the ethereal plane is our plane, but it's where ghosts are. Yeah. So it looks exactly like our world, except it's foggy and misty. And you can use spells and abilities to go into the other world. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can walk through walls. Yeah. And if you see a ghost in that plane, it looks completely solid. Oh, okay. And then if a ghost is... Because a ghost in Dungeons & Dragons is a psychological manifestation of a violent or unexpected death. It's not actually that person. Okay. But rather a psychological echo of them leaving. So their spirit goes on, but the violence of their death leaves this echo. It's literally just psychic energy that is manifest and is still floating around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not quite that person, which is why it's evil and wants to kill people. Okay. Because it's confused. It doesn't know what's going on. But yeah, there are ways to see into the ethereal plane or Mm -hmm. even shift into the ethereal plane. And she could possess one of those abilities. Uh, That's 100% possible. If if Annabelle Comes Home was a D&D style uh, board game, how many... How many days do you think it, or hours do you think it would <laughs> to play? This would be a one shot. Okay. Uh, this particular movie. So I'm seeing all of these uh, movies together as a campaign. Oh. So this. Just the Annabelle series. Right. Okay. The Annabelle series, because it's all in the same universe mm-hmm. and takes place over the same course of, of characters and stuff. And there is a shared narrative. This would be a campaign. Okay. So this would be a series of adventures. Annabelle Comes Home would be one adventure. Okay. And it would probably take place over three hours. Uh, All right. The the characters would be relatively low level. Okay. And the challenge would be dealing with this, these high level ghosts with characters who have very poor combat abilities. Okay. No real magical 
uh, spells, uh, no good weapons. Mm -hmm. There might be some magic items that you can use in order to deal uh, with uh, some of these scary creatures. But for the most part, it would be running. It would be uh, trying to evade these monsters and not fight them directly. So it would be a lot of stealth checks. Okay. Uh, high perception would be necessary in order to know what was going on with these creatures. Mm -hmm. And uh, the parents would be very, very, very high level. So if they okay. come in at the end, they're probably going to do the actual combat against uh, the creatures. They're okay. going to be using the spells and abilities and weapons. But I see this as more of a run and hide, uh, try and stay alive, wait for the parents to come home, uh, one-shot adventure about three hours, and the characters would be level one. Uh, they would have to be very, very weak. You'd have okay. to be running the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun. I'd have to see the movie before I'd be able to assess it, but based on the trailer, yeah, uh, that's the Corey Dungeon's assessment of uh, Annabelle Comes Home. I love it, dude. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Great. What do you think? Uh, th that's fantastic. <laughs> well, dude, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. I'm so glad you had me. Talking this, Annabelle Comes Home. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm now, I'm probably going to see this movie and just think of, <laughs> of that. Yeah. <laughs> Your summation of it. I hope I didn't ruin it. No. God, no. Oh, all right, no. good. Um, all right, tell everybody where they can find you, uh, all the places in case they want to reach out, because I'm sure you'll have some people who want to. Yeah, at least two. That's what I'm betting on. <laughs> I, I can be found on the internets at CoreyDungeons.com. That's C-O-R-Y Dungeons. Dot com And that has a link to uh, an email. You can hit me up. I'm also on Instagram as Corey Dungeons. Uh, once again, I post pictures of some of my clientele, some of the games that I've done, uh, a couple of vanity pictures of yours truly. Uh, most of them are pretty, uh, pretty silly. I like to keep it lighthearted. They're all amazing. I, Don't I, sell yourself short. They're great. My clients are just fantastic too. Like I, everybody looks like they have a lot of fun. Oh man, I'm, I'm really great. so lucky to yeah. be dealing with. Uh, I I have been extremely lucky so far. All my clients are just wonderful, wonderful people. Sweet. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, from potentially new clients, or if anybody just wants to uh, get at me, uh, shout at me in an email. Um, if you have questions about rules or the game itself, I love talking about rules. I never get tired of it. Uh, holler at your boy. Sweet. Uh, thanks for listening to The Couch, everybody, this week. We'll be back next week with another new bonus guest. Later. Bye-bye.